0: Hi, my name is Jared Dedley, and you're listening to the Solar Panel, a Phoenix Sun show.
1: My name is Tim Tompkins. We have Greg Esposito and Dave King on the episode today, as always. So, we are coming up on a quicker than normal trade deadline. This one falling on February 7th, so we're a little bit more than a week away. Um, you know, moved up a couple of weeks and it's before the all-star game now but i I wonder how these teams are adjusting because we've seen in prior trade deadlines where you have so many trades obviously that happen right at the trade deadline but it also happens right after all-star break and and the reason why that's important is because you have all these executives all hanging out at the all-star game all-star week where a lot of the discussion about trades happens and i wonder how much this affects specifically the sons um, in this scenario, because James Jones does not have a relationship with a lot of these other GMs that, that other GMs do because they've been, you know, in, in the game for so long and, and stuff like that, those situations that he can't really get into might make a difference. Well, let's be frank. One weekend
2: hanging around other, GM, or other GMs and executives – wasn't going to change that. I mean, it's easier because he doesn't have to look, get, find, track down phone numbers he didn't necessarily have. But uh, I don't think it was going to uh, make m- make a big difference in terms of what James Jones is going to be able to accomplish a- at the deadline. Uh, it could affect other deals though, because you're right. There's a lot of discussions that that happen at those uh, uh, at the deadline for at All Star Weekend in the past that uh, happened face to face. But you know. It'll be interesting to see how much action there actually is this uh, this trade deadline, uh, with with those factors. Like like I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong, well, but can can Kelly Oubre even be dealt because it's not a long he, enough he time. He can
0: be he can be dealt by himself.
2: Yeah. So so it even impacts that kind like, of from stuff the Suns.
0: Here. I mean, other he cannot be aggregated with any other Phoenix Suns.
2: Yeah, I mean because that that impacts now those December 15 guys you know it 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 changes the dynamic of things basically but i don't know that it'll change pretty much
0: yeah at this point pretty much any any player with a couple of exceptions uh can be traded uh right now but a lot of them cannot be aggregated anyone who has traded mid-season cannot be aggregated uh, together however you know, you can go. You could send Kelly Oubre to a team with a very small trade exception because his current salary is only around three million, I think. And um, all you need is a team to absorb him into that as part of a larger trade that works separately with the money and all that. Uh, as and it could be executed as multiple transactions, but still be a larger trade. So it is possible to trade Oubre to another team with a group of other Phoenix Suns. But uh, the trades would have to work um, independently of each other with the salary cap.
1: I do find it a little bit interesting. So kind of, you know, but so we'll see teams that you'll see. You'll notice like uh, team trading with another team fairly often when a lot of trades go down. And that is because those relationships matter. People know each other. And this is a human business. It's not just uh, pulling up the NBA trade machine and making things work. So far, we've seen James Jones uh, execute one trade, and that was with the Wizards. And so, I, you know, looking at, like, players on the Wizards and thinking about guys that might be available, you might have, like, Thomas Hadoransky, Um you know, but I'm not sure if you guys know necessarily what other teams James Jones might have a relationship with. The Miami Heat, you know, that could be another one. The Lakers. He knows a, a big name over
2: there that uh, basically runs things. So let's be let's be fair too. James Jones has executed two trades. He just got the first one wrong. So, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! All right. Uh, yeah, no, you you just don't know. See, here's the thing: is is there's 14 teams in the West who don't want to sell. Okay, so the the dynamic here is all weird. Uh, James Jones probably is not interested in more first round draft picks. He hasn't hired any scouts or anything like that. And he has said, while he's said that it's going to be difficult to upgrade long term via trade, um he's more interested in free agency where he just has to deal with players because he's got much more of a relationship with players than he does with GMs. so and 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 now he's saying he trades are difficult, and he hasn't hired anybody to scout college. So it kind of looks like if they do anything, in my opinion, there's going to make more room for the summer uh, for free agency. So TJ Warren has multiple years left on his contract at around $11 million per year. If the Suns do make a trade, I wouldn't be surprised if it's for an expiring contract, which just makes the rest of this season even that much more unbearable because they're going to be acquiring yet another player who's just going to be a free agent and leave the team.
2: There's there's a weird competing dynamic here though. Woj reported earlier this week that the Suns are a seller, right? And when you're a seller, uh, you usually think, okay, well they're doing it because they want to tank. Because he mentioned, uh, you know, the, the a few of the other bottom feeders. In the league, we're also we're also sellers to try to improve that draft stock. But then we hear, well, the Suns don't have college scouts, so they don't really care about this draft. So why would you then be trying well, to the, lose more? Like it's just there's so yeah, many. I don't weird know that they're
0: intentionally right. I don't know that they're intentionally gonna try to lose more. I mean, it's hard to lose any more than you currently have. The Suns are in their worst 365 day stretch of their lives as a franchise. Uh, So they're not trying to lose more games. I think they are ready to probably, they are ready to move on from TJ Warren. We've gotten indicators from several different places. Um, Greg, you want to talk about what you may have heard on this? Uh, I
2: don't know if I'm breaking it. Uh, There was a report, I believe it was on uh, your site, Dave, on uh, Bright Side of the Sun, that Evan Sidery had uh, mentioned that Robert Sarver had, Uh, requested, demanded, however you want to say it, that uh, T.J. Warren be moved in the offseason. I actually looked into it further and have confirmation that that, in fact, is true, that Robert Sarver uh, basically demanded that T.J. Warren be moved and his long-term contract be moved in this past offseason. So if you put the dots together, sons are sellers, uh, according to Woj, uh sarver had pushed for tj warren to be traded this past off season he's the likely target i'm guessing to get moved uh because also he's probably the only piece of value that the suns have at this point that you can move and clear space so there you go that's uh that's what i know from uh from sources that i've confirmed with that were close to the
0: situation so they were supposed to trade him last summer and never did well, Sar Sarver demanded it,
2: asked for it, and yes, it did not
0: happen. Obviously, so. And then Which, Ryan uh, McDonough was fired.
2: Yes, and I'm not I'm not saying that's the reason. I'm sure there was a, a multiple reasons why it happened, but I'm sure that did not help.
0: Oh uh, yeah, the list of reasons my, Ryan McDonough was fired probably resembles the uh, nice and naughty lists from Santa Claus. Just unroll the entire parchment. Just. Whoosh, yeah. That uh, could just the, be one of them though.
2: The other part is servers irrational too. So yeah, it could have been any he could have looked at him funny that day. That could have been why too. So but this was probably part of it if uh, he had a direct order to move TJ and it didn't happen.
1: Which is interesting because right now TJ Warren sprained ankle. Uh sidelined through the All-Star break or through the trade deadline, I should say. The, I mean I don't I don't think it'll stop anything. No, that's not what I'm I'm implying. I'm oh. implying that these Suns might intentionally be sitting him uh with that sprained ankle knowing that he's on the trading block so nothing further happens and devalues the stock. I mean, we're talking about a, a guy that scores 18 points a game. Uh he's been very efficient from the field this year, short, shooting uh 43% from uh three point. Uh 31 minutes a game. I mean, he's been, you know, he's he's solid and a lot of teams can use a well, scorer yeah. right now
0: based on the history of of relationships that the Suns front office um, from Ryan McDonough in the past to Robert Sarver a lot uh, that relationships with players sour and then they start playing poorly and then they start acting like they're in a bad mood all the time. Then all of a sudden they're gone. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if TJ Warren is the latest of those guys who got wind of those demands uh, to be traded and, and has responded poorly after an opening month or two of the season to show teams he's got a three-point shot, so uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's being sat through the trade deadline at this point. There's only uh, a week and a half left.
2: Honestly, though, if they trade TJ Warren just for some expiring contract to give them a cap relief for the offseason, I'm going to be so angry. That's way <laughs> yeah. too. That's that's is far too talented of a guy to move in that kind of you know, uh, of a uh, of a deal. It just does not Warren
0: has always been a really difficult uh, proposition, though, because. While he is talented at scoring when he's focused in, uh, and now he can make three-point shots uh, without really hardly thinking about it, he still doesn't like taking three-point shots. His his attempts are down to just, uh, just under three in the last uh, several weeks. And he doesn't play defense, and he's a terrible rebounder. So I'm not really sure. He's a great sixth man off the bench. So if you can send him to a team that either, A, thinks he's going to grow into a better player over the course of his you know, fifth to ninth years in the league, or B, want him coming off the bench of your playoff team, then he's a great acquisition. But he's really not going to get much better than he is right now. Although I did say that last year and he added a three-point shot. So wh- who knows what's going to happen there, but I think he's got a lower uh, value across the league than Suns fans want him to have.
2: Yeah, but it's still uh, it's still more than, hey, take this uh, guy that we have no intention of... Uh- of keeping so you can have more cap space to get people who aren't going to come here anyways this summer. Well, we I don't mean, know
0: that people won't come here. I think that's what James Jones is putting in his back pocket is that he's telling uh, himself, if not everybody else around him, that your best bet's going to be free agency. Cause then all you have to do is deal with players and James yeah, knows how to talk to players.
2: Yeah. But let's <laughs> look, I mean, I get it. It wasn't James Jones running the show, but look at the last five, six off seasons. And the reality of things is Phoenix is not a destination, and hell, it hasn't traditionally been. If you look at, what what are the biggest free agents to ever sign here? Steve Nash, who had been here previously. Warren Dragic, who had been here previously. previously. Uh, Danny Manning, who came here on a wink-wink uh, yeah. deal back in the day, knowing he was going to get taken care of. And Tom Chambers. Those are the biggest free agents that you've ever attracted one a decade. Yeah. It's not it's not a huge list. So I don't have a whole lot of faith that James Jones, even with a mountain of cash, is going to be able to attract anybody of any real substance.
0: Here. Oh yeah. I don't uh, disagree with you at all. I'm just telling you what I what I think I'm piecing together from messages from the front office.
2: So if so, they're not they're sellers, which means they're not going to add a major piece, which means that draft pick is not going anywhere. But they don't want to draft anybody. Like the whole thing, <laughs> is, it's just weird. Well,
0: I think they wouldn't mind being swappers. I think the Suns would rather be able to pick up a guy they'd love to keep past this year in exchange for TJ Warren, who they don't want to keep past this year anymore. I get uh, I think they'd rather that, but I don't know that James Jones loves the um, the negotiating with other GMs part of the job. And so maybe Trevor Buckstein will do all that negotiating, and James will just be part of the advisory panel. Um, I don't know how what kind of relationships that Trevor Buckstein has developed, but he has been one talking on the phones for years with other teams, although if you look at the Sun's trade history, it hasn't been awesome. You don't know if he had better trades lined up that were previously denied. We don't know. Uh, But I don't think James really loves negotiating with these other GMs. So I I think it's going to be he would love to add a long-term piece, but I think he's going to settle for – having more room in free agency that's just my guess as as an observer you
2: well know, trevor trevor built a great relationship with me so if he wants uh some uh some of the stuff i have in this room i'm willing to deal it for tj warren you know so at least we know where there's one relationship
0: yeah yours is the kind of relationship our, <laughs> our
2: gm needs to have no i i don't this is going
0: to be a very weird deadline very much like this has been a very weird season here's the thing it it, it could be it obviously is very weird it's very Unconventional. It's very un um, uh, um, traditional. Unqualified. We have a bunch of unqualified people in positions that that uh, probably shouldn't be the ones doing the negotiating. It doesn't mean the Suns won't end up with something good. It just means it's uh, much more unlikely.
1: What What is working in the Suns' favor is that there's a lot of buyers right now. I mean, if you look at the standings in the West. Uh, the ninth, 10th, 11th seed are only three games out of the playoffs. If you look in the east, um, you know, same as well. Ninth, 10th, and 11th are uh, two to three games out of the playoffs, and there's not a lot of sellers. So, really, this is the time to be a seller if there has ever been a time to be a seller, and it is not the time to be a buyer, which does kind of work out in the sun's favor,
2: yeah. I, I, true,
1: and I think they need.
2: Whoever negotiated this new arena deal is the one that they should have negotiating trades because they got pretty, they got a pretty damn good deal there. So Get Jason Rowley on that phone. Yeah, yeah uh, the, the, those part of the front office should be uh, doing the deals, but you're right. I mean, if there ever was a time, it's when you have this many teams that still think they have a shot at the playoffs and are looking for that piece to just get them over the hump, and I'm sure a TJ Warren looks quite attractive. In that uh, in that spot for some of these teams that need scoring off the bench, so we'll see. I just
1: I, I yet again I don't have a whole lot of faith that this is going to go the right direction. <laughs> uh, so we're going to go ahead and take a break, but before we do, Mr. Dave King, who do we have coming up on the show,
0: uh, we have a really good interview coming up with Dwayne Rankin, who works for the Arizona Republic and and writes online at azcentral.com. Uh, he uh, was there during all the scuffles and and uh, arguments and and fun long uh, long showers. <laughs> he wasn't in the showers with the players, but uh, they were waiting outside the locker room on Friday night, and so he can give us his firsthand observer insight into what's going on with the Phoenix Suns lately. That's coming up next.
1: Uh, well, first off, I want to thank a listener for supporting the show. Um if you are watching on YouTube right now or if you are listening uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and you open up the show notes below, you will see uh, a little button that says support the podcast. So I want to go ahead and thank Jake Brogner, longtime listener of the podcast for supporting us. We really do appreciate you Jake. Hey can I you,
2: can Jake. I thank another can I thank another listener?
1: Yeah And uh, we got a great note from
2: uh, from Vince. I think we joked around about this that a listener didn't want to uh, didn't want to go through the electronic method to donate to the show so vince actually sent me cold hard cash in the mail and a nice note that said hopefully with the other solar panel listeners contributions things will add up you you are talented guys and may even move on to the big time in any event thanks for all the chuckles vince so he sent us a uh, I won't say the dollar amount, but a sizable amount that uh, you guys are never going to see because he sent it to my house. But uh, but thank you, Vince, for uh, contributing in a non-digital fashion.
1: Yeah, thank you very much, Vince. We do appreciate you. And if you do want to support for a dollar a month, just open up the show notes and click on the Become a Supporter button. We really do appreciate it. If you do decide to go ahead and do the $10 option, I will personally send you some Suns swag. Speaking of players that might... Uh, be being shopped around right now uh, one player in particular might have recently improved his draft stock just a bit and that is Dragon Bender who if you are at the Suns home, game, home games right now the crowd absolutely loves whenever he makes a shot the crowd is into it for a guy that uh has been riding the bench uh, for the entire season playing 29 minutes a game uh, seven rebounds an assist and a half one steal 14 points uh, you know, uh, we're grading on a curve, but Bender has been okay, and uh, I, I do wonder if there is uh, if he was able to improve his uh, trade stock at all. Well, okay.
0: So you say the fans love it when Bender makes a shot. It's very similar to back in the day when Joe Klein would make a shot for the Suns coming in <laughs> in garbage time and, and cranking up a three. So uh, let's let's uh, put. Drug and Bender's the cheers for Drug and Bender into context.
2: Hey, I've returned to Bender Island. I'd like to thank friend of the show Rhett Reese, for keeping my uh cabana uh, warm and uh, well stocked. Uh it's uh I've I've enjoyed watching this uh watching this guy actually show some signs of life. He's rebounding all right. He's he's A-O, been aggressive on offense, which we haven't seen before. I mean, we we were all at the game on Wednesday and there were a few plays where he Tuesday. decided or Tuesday, excuse me. Correct, uh, where he decided he wasn't going to actually uh, shoot the three. He was going to drive in, and he and he took it to the rack hard. We have not seen that from Dragon Bender. So yes, the bar is very low. We're no longer looking at this guy. I, I think you brought this up, Dave, as a guy who was the former number four pick. We're looking at a guy trying to fight for his NBA life, a- and we all like to see uh, <laughs> see a guy actually be able to to keep his livelihood. So. <laughs> So has yeah he improved I, I don't personally I
0: don't think he's improved his draft stock or his trade stock, excuse me this this past week, but he certainly has shown signs of life. Uh, people do people can see that he's at least the guy who played last year, if not a little bit more uh, with a little bit of aggressiveness if you put him into a situation where he touches the ball more often than uh, three or four times a game behind the arc. So that that part is true for sure. Uh, he, he made me think a lot of Alex Len this past week because he's uh, with the Suns, being out both eight and Amreshon Holmes. Dragan Bender's gotten the bulk of the minutes at center, and I just saw a lot of Alex Len in there. and And to me, that is not much of a compliment.
2: I does that mean he's going to go on as a free agent next year and actually play decent
0: somewhere else? Like, is that what we're expecting? Like, I don't know. I don't know that Alex Len is playing any more decent for Atlanta than he is. than He was for the Suns.
2: That's true. I, he, Dragon Bender is not a piece that they're going to, that people are
1: clamoring to trade for now. They've no, you know, he also but, might
0: no. not be totally out of the league, which is your point. Yeah. I yeah. think that's probable,
1: you know, is yeah. he, is he worth, could the Suns at this point get a, a second round pick or two out of Dragon Bender? They don't want second-round picks, so no, <laughs> they don't. They don't want draft picks. Welcome to the
2: quandary that is the James Jones era.
0: Yeah. Hey, maybe uh, we, you could trade a Dragon Bender for a Thon Mccour.
2: I, I now see. I take. I trade problems like that for each other and see if it if it leads to anything. Why not? But uh, I, you know, to me, I'd rather have. Dragon Bender back at four million, then Rashawn Holmes back at ten million next year. With what? Since I've seen some signs of life, but that's just me. Oh, what? I would rather see Dragon back at four million than Rashawn at ten. You did actually say that. Oh,
1: I I will die
2: on that hill. Thank you. Oh,
1: Greg. Greg, you really I you, undervalue Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I, I feel
0: real bad for you.
2: Yeah, he's really helped this year. I'm glad Rashawn Holmes has changed the, the dynamic of everything and fixed everything. No, he's he's the same kind of guy that Alan Williams was. He's a guy that shows some hustle. You can get it a lot cheaper than Rashawn Holmes is going to go for next year is my only point there.
0: All right fans, in the comments section under this uh post when I put it on Brightside, you got to tell us what you think. Do you think uh Benders is more worth having next year than Rashawn Holmes
2: at the price point? Make that clear. If they get the same money, of course I'd want
1: Rashawn Holmes over there. You know, really, what it, what is an extra What does an extra 6 million do?
2: Well, apparently James Jones has these big plans, so that extra $6 million <laughs> should do a lot because he knows people and he's got relationships, so he can convince big names to come to Phoenix.
1: So I'm it, not even going to argue this point. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it has been, at least to me, um, really noticeable how visibly frustrated Devin Booker is on the court right now.
2: Oh what what trying to fight somebody made that pretty clear to you there.
1: <laughs> no, just 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 his, his overall demeanor um when he's throwing passes and they aren't being caught or whatever the case might be whenever he just he looks frustrated right now. He looks like well, a guy yeah, that he needs is a frustrated damn frustrated Because he
0: wants to win games. Uh, he's tired of of just putting up points and 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 dishing assists and and not getting anything. To me that that's part good sign, part bad sign. I mean, you can't just start becoming a me-first sniper, because then all you're doing is proving all of your haters wrong. You know, the people who... who your skeptics. I don't want to use haters, because I hate that word. Um, so you're so a
2: hater of haters.
0: I'm a hater of hate.
2: All right, good job
0: <laughs> But anyway, I uh, um, I don't want him to end up spending this season proving all of his skeptics wrong. Or right. Or, or,
2: well, right. to to me, how much of this is the pressure of that new contract because now he went from a guy who was over, overachieving on expectations of where he was drafted and, and what people thought of him coming into the league. They thought he was just a three point shooter. Didn't, didn't expect, uh, what he became, but now he's expected to be a star because he's been paid as a franchise star. And I wonder if some of the pressure of that, is also getting to him on top of the fact that they're losing. Because now when they lose and he's being paid as a star, it, it is more of a reflection on him. And I think that's getting to him as well.
0: That could be, but it's also getting to us to his fans. He's no longer that, that cute little under, uh, you know, uh, surprise draft pick who turned out to be better than his draft stock. Now he's this max player that, has to carry the Suns to some wins. And, yeah, so it's pressure on the fans not not seeing him as an underdog anymore and it's pressure on him having to prove his value.
2: But I look at it, why do we expect any different results? This roster is not significantly better than the roster we we saw last year. This Outside roster of- has
0: more potential in talent than yes. last year's, but not as, not as good of execution. I mean, when Kelly Oubre is one of your oldest players in your rotation – and Kelly Oubre is only 23 years old That is not a good sign For your winnability in games
2: Well, Especially if you're now looking At trading TJ Warren Who's probably the most experienced guy That gets minutes on this team Now outside of Jamal Crawford So so I don't know Why we expect more out of Devin Booker in a situation That isn't a- any more palpable uh, Palatable than last year right? DeAndre Aiton because- is- you know, like I just I get Aitens here and, and Mikhail Bridges and that's more talent, but they're also younger and guys who have to learn this league. So this year, I without a point guard, without additional experience, I don't know why even us who are being optimistic expected any more out of this. And I get Booker's frustrations. I get everybody's frustrations. Losing sucks. And this whole thing is sucked. But really the dysfunction is what's the most frustrating. I don't think that the, the the results are what's frustrating me the most. And why? Hold on. I'm going to go on a rant here. Why? Why did You weren't people, already? Well, no. This is going to be a real rant. So, like... <laughs> Why were people so pissed off about Devin Booker, uh, Devin Booker's actions on Tuesday, right? I just don't get it. To me, I was like, yeah, let's show some fire. Let's show some literal fight here. I get it. it. He lost his cool. But to me, that says the guy still cares. You know how easy it would be to not give a damn in this situation anymore and just pack it in uh, after knowing that this is going to be another completely lost season? And he showed a pulse. And when you look at the Suns' history, think about some of the most celebrated guys in Suns history raja bell is known for fighting kobe bryant and people celebrate him charles barkley is one of the most popular sons ever and the guy was known for being an instigator and and causing issues on and off the court and the 92 93 Suns, the favorite sons of all time right Gotten a giant brawl at then America West Arena with the New York Knicks around the same time of year as Devin Booker just got in a fight. So, why the hell do we care that Devin Booker did that? People are acting as if it's some uh, because he's doing it for uh, the
0: crappiest team in the league as opposed to a winning team.
2: I get it, but why is that some smudge on his character And where people are like, oh, no, is this the guy that can really lead? A leader doesn't do this. No, leaders do this. People get in fights. I mean, Shaq and Barkley got in a fight, for God's sake, at one point uh, during games. Like, Let's not act like this is some awful
1: detrimental thing to Devin Booker's career. I just thought he should have... Try to fight somebody different. I mean, you know, <laughs> Devin Booker versus, versus Jang, I, they, you know, didn't end up fighting. All, all the reports are, uh, you know, security took care of it. But Devin Booker should not be fighting Jang. I mean, I mean, out of all the players to fight, Jang is not the one I think is going to turn out very well for Devin Booker. Well, who do you want him to fight? His buddy Carl Anthony Towns.
2: Uh, yeah, like, I think uh, that would have been a little <laughs>
1: bit more interesting. I mean, just just on a, a, a matchup solid. level, <laughs> like Jang. It, I don't know if you you guys have seen Jang. I I wouldn't want to fight Jang. I wouldn't want to fight any NBA player, but Jang's one of those guys <laughs> that you just look at and you're like, nah, bro, not doing it. Oh, what well, you you want, you want him to fight somebody his size? Derrick Rose was his
2: size. And that's a guy I'm not messing with. I'm not messing with the Chicago native like Derrick Rose. <laughs> Like I'm not, I, you know, I, whatever. I, I get it. Where's Tyus it's,
0: Jones? I mean, let's get somebody on that.
2: <laughs> fight his fight, Jamal Crawford. That guy seems nice. Like he'd be like, dude, let's just talk this out. Hey, man, no need for cute. fisticuffs. <laughs> 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 like or why Fight Igor. Like Igor seems like a dude that would be like, let's you know, we'll be all right here. Let's just talk it through. Like, is that what you want, Tim?
1: Uh, I mean, I was irritated at it at the fight just because you know there's just I hate it when players get ejected from games especially while you're sitting there because you're just thinking to yourself man I spent a bunch of money on this ticket and uh you don't want to see the players get ejected so I understand the frustration all I got to tell you uh, uh uh Twitter was hilarious after the fight I think the the best tweet I saw was something along the lines of Devin Booker can't be out there risking his life he's got children to take care of now
2: you know, I mean, <laughs> oh. I saw. I thought one of the funny ones was uh, there's that picture of the the Suns security guy holding the kind of holding the back of Devin's pants. Well, we were at the game and in arena about two minutes after this, or maybe five minutes after this, on the on the jumbotron they do a Titanic. Cam, right? Where you're supposed to, one person's <laughs> supposed to stand behind the other and hold the arms out like, uh, like did Kate Winslet on the Booker boat.
0: Picture up there.
2: They didn't, <laughs> but people on the internet who were at the game, knowing they were doing that cam, did, and it was so accurate. You know what I'm really mad about is that Devin Booker couldn't outrun the security guard who looked like Uncle Phil. From, uh, from Fresh Prince, right? Same kind of oh, weight, same kind you of know, body type. You know
0: Booker was purposely keeping himself close to the security <laughs> guy so that the security guy could hold his... It's like, you know, it's that old, come on, me! come at me, come at me, hold me back,
2: hold me back! Nah, see, if Devin were smart, what he would have done was outrun him through the tunnel and then stop once he got in there, if that was what he was trying to do. Because <laughs> that everybody would have thought he was fighting the guy, and none of us would have seen him almost get depanced. In, in, we just, standing, hey, we in we just
0: the, need to club. give the security guy some credit for having quick hands. Well, th- he's the
1: Jared Dudley of security
0: guards. He, is
2: athletic.
1: he has
0: athletic hands in the security team.
1: <laughs> you guys, uh, you see the report that the Suns are going to sit down with Terry Rozier this offseason? Yeah.
0: They're going to sit down with Terry Rozier. Sure. because Terry Rozier's a free agent. Exactly. James James Jones is going to be like, "Yeah,
2: I'm good with players. Why don't we sit down and talk even though you're restricted and I'm not going to get you anyways." So like, what? I that report boggled my mind. Yes, Terry Rozier and the Suns are going to sit down after after the season. Of course if, they... if you're if you're Boston, aren't you a little pissed off that Terry Rozier's already making dinner plans for when your season's over? like you're trying to win a championship but this guy's worrying about eating with james jones like that would piss me off a little
1: bit well i mean chances are they aren't going to be able to keep him i think that he wants to be a starting point guard and the celtics have somebody called kyrie irving at the point well
0: they- and they also re-signed marcus smart too already so they real probably are not going to keep terry Rozier this off-season.
2: is he the answer though no. like seriously i don't that, like i don't He's think fine. he is no. that that would be the most sun's move is to get get a guy that really isn't the answer at all and make and him spend yourself. all like, the money
0: all right. yeah. you're listening to the solar panel with greg esposito tim Tompkins, and dave king now back to the show
1: uh you guys want to do solar opposites before we get to this interview Yes, let's do. Let's it. do
0: one round of solar opposites. Yep. I will be the uh, I will be the ringmaster here, and we're going to go Tim against Greg. So the question on the table is: Given the Suns' problems at point guard, problems at playmaking, and the fact that Devin Booker is tired of being the the primary playmaker at least recently because his, his assists per game have gone way down, uh, and he's just taking shots now, should the Suns? try josh jackson long term for an extended stint as the primary playmaker on the team josh jackson go tim
1: yes i mean at this point the you know josh jackson is a player who has one tangible quality coming out of the draft was his ability to pass and we it was the reason why the suns as well as the fans were so excited about josh jackson right now he has a 16 percent assist percentage putting him in the 87 percentile i'm not saying that it's going to be the winner i'm just saying that the suns are such complete trash right now that you might as well throw mud against the wall and see if it sticks and if it works and it works and if it doesn't it doesn't it's not like the suns are lo- are winning any games anyway they're already in the the race for zion williamson i mean w- you know there's we saw it in miami right now with justice winslow he really excelled in that role and josh jackson you might as well try it i mean uh, otherwise we're running uh d'anthony melton out there we have uh, jamal crawford who's running points for large stretches we're, Five al- seconds. we're already seeing josh jackson bring up the ball what can it hurt
0: All right, Greg, you have one minute to rebut everything that Tim just said. Ready? Go.
2: Tim, that brown stuff that you're throwing at the wall isn't mud. It's shit, all right? Because this is not a guy you want running your point. Right now, he's averaging... 2.2 2.2 assists and 2.3 turnovers a game, right? The only pass we've seen him be able to truly throw is a lob pass and right now with the, without and even there, it's not going to be a valuable pass because there's nobody that's going to be able to finish a lob. The last thing I want to see is Josh Jackson with the ball in his hands even more because the man, since, uh, since his rookie season and through summer leagues has not been able to make the right decision when he has the ball. He either chucks up a shot drives wildly to the hoop or throws a lob. Those are the three options. And I don't need to see any more of it than we are already seeing on the court when it comes to Josh Jackson. I get it. They don't have a point guard and trying things is, is an option right now, but this is not the right option. And I don't think it'll help the development of Josh Jackson in the long run, because he has not proven that he has the basketball
0: IQ to do it. All right. So that was your one minute rebuttal. Greg, good job. Uh, Tim, now you get to uh now you get to have one more reply for 30 seconds. Uh, do you want to engage in that, Tim? Yeah, yeah, I'll do it. All right, ready? Set. Go.
1: I mean, while I completely agree that his assist to turnover ratio isn't exactly the best. I mean, at this point we're also talking about trying to salvage a uh, really high lottery pick in Josh Jackson and you might as well give him the opportunity to see if it shines. I mean, I just I I that's it. Is you might as well give it the opportunity and see if it works.
0: All right, Greg, you get one more 30 second piece, and then I'm going to have to call out who wins. Ready? Go.
2: So you want to try to salvage him by putting him in a bad position that isn't going to help him and maybe even more detrimental to him because he's going to make worse decisions. You want to talk about De'Anthony Melton. He has 3.3 assists a game and 1.7 turnovers. It would be a worse situation to put Josh Jackson at a point than letting De'Anthony Melton try to figure it out himself.
0: All right. Okay, so here's my here's my overall take on this. I think personally um, – well, no, I'm not even going to give my take cuz I am not in this debate. So, I'm just going to say what I who I think made the strongest argument. So, Tim is talking about Josh Jackson why not basically and what could what could possibly go wrong? And Greg's like everything could possibly go wrong. Tim's saying that this stint might actually save Josh Jackson's career and Greg is saying this stint might actually ruin Josh Jackson's career. So, now I got to make the call. I feel like Josh Jackson's career would not be impacted either way uh, with a three, four, five-week stint as the primary point guard. Um, However, I think the Sun season might go in a really negative turn if Josh Jackson is the primary playmaker. Um, I would be okay with it for a week or two, but that's about it. So who made the strongest argument? Tim, why not? What could go wrong? Greg, this could ruin everything horribly. Um, I'm going to go with Greg's side on this one because I just don't see anything positive coming out of the Josh Jackson at point guard, um, phase, except for Josh, um, having more turnovers than assists and then telling us in the locker room that he had a great game.
1: I guess I, the, the starting, I, I should have qualified it saying, I don't think he should be the starting point guard. I am more meant in those second units where you have Jamal Crawford running point, you know, the, those are the ones in which I'm like, eh, why not try Josh Jackson instead of Jamal Crawford? Oh, okay. well, if
0: you're limiting, okay, if you're restricting your argument to it's he's better than Jamal Crawford as an option, I I'm totally, I'm fine with that. I'm fine uh, with that for a few weeks. But, but man, at that point. Go ahead. But at that point, what? I was going
2: to say, at that point, wouldn't, I, wouldn't you rather just see Kobo get a chance than, <laughs> than Josh Jackson? I mean, you drafted the kid, just give him the ball, let him go out there. I mean, well,
0: Kobo for the next few weeks is the starting point guard. Uh, because D'Anthony Melton has, has, was walking around in a boot with Ooh. a cane on Friday night.
1: Rashawn uh, Holmes took him back into the locker room. It was interesting. Uh, so I, I do want to give Suns fans a tip before we go into this interview, because I realize we're a little bit behind on the interview, is that Basically, I ended up sitting third row when I was in Phoenix, right behind the Suns bench, and I did it for sixty dollars total. Like we're talking about seats that are worth a couple hundred dollars, probably um, third row right behind the bench. So all I did was I bought ten dollar tickets from the the guys outside, and then I upgraded my tickets once I got in for fifty bucks. So if you're ever looking to to score really good seats on a game, buy the cheap tickets and then just upgrade. You don't actually have to buy. Uh, the seats outright at the box office, so that's one way. But it was really interesting to watch the the dynamic, especially when that happened. Uh, when, when D'Anthony Dan Melton went down, yeah, uh, Rashawn Holmes like walking back to the locker room is actually kind of sweet, man.
2: Your crush on Rashawn Holmes is really a beautiful thing, Tim. I do love me
0: some Rashawn Holmes, <laughs> and we know Greg is a Rashawn Holmes uh, skeptic.
2: No, I am a Rashawn Holmes realist, all right? That's what I am. I guess I, it, I like I like the effort he brings, but I'm a realist. What What Greg but, is
1: talking about is a replacement level. Rashawn Holmes, although he brings a lot of value to the table, is at the end of the day a replacement level player, right? Wait, mm-hmm.
2: crap. Crap, I made an analytics argument and didn't realize it. <laughs> I retract my previous statement.
0: <laughs> What's his warp, Greg?
2: <laughs> it's I I have no clue what Vorp is. Was that a uh, Star Trek character or something?
0: <laughs> Value over replacement
1: player. It's, it's literally de- a stat. It's,
2: it's dead even. He's he's the same as he's any replacement. Player. He's uh, a
1: zero. He is actually a 0.9? <laughs> Basically a zero. Well, no, that makes him second. <laughs> no, actually, that's, that's second on the team in, in value of a replacement player. He's second on the team behind uh DeAndre Ayton, Mikhail Bridges being third, Devin Booker being fourth, TJ Warren being fifth and uh, there's a couple of other guys. Kelly Oubre is an actual, like, dead even. Everybody else on the team, D'Anthony Melton, uh, Quincy Ac, Troy Daniels, Dragon Bender, Elliot Cobo, Josh Jackson, and Jamal Crawford all have negative vorps. Josh Jackson's uh, negative .9 vorps, so... uh, Hold on, let me get this straight. So you could replace the Suns' entire roster with
2: baseline average players... Yeah. And they'd be better than this group.
0: They would be a 41 win team. <laughs> yes, by far. How is this a surprise? But but that's it I it is it really. The but the problem that- with the advanced stats is is that they tell what happened as much as anything else and and because the Suns collectively as a team are uh you know 11 and uh 39 38 something like that right now as we as we record um everyone's gonna look bad it's just relative it's all relative you put any one of these guys on different teams they may or may not be more or less effective even though they're the same exact player so that's that's the downside of these advanced stats
2: wait I want the I want to vorp for uh for what we do so value over replacement podcast right? <laughs> I, I, I want to know I want to uh, know if they if we were replaced with any of the other Sun shows, would it be better? Are we are we the no, sons we're, we're of Suns podcasting? Zero.
1: We're a zero. Basically, if you're looking at Warp, though, it's kind of interesting. On the team is you have six players that are above average, uh, over uh, you know above average replacement player, and everybody else isn't. Which is basically true. I mean, the Suns have five or six good players, and everybody else on the team is pretty much trash.
0: Yeah, and four of those are hurt right now.
1: Yeah, and it, that's part of the reason why Igor can't put uh, good units out there. I mean, he just doesn't yeah, have when good asked players. Him, when
0: I asked him, I, I had to ask the question of, so last week, so you're not even, you're not going to start Kelly Ubre, who's been one of their more effective players and, and potentially um, uh, should be in our, in the starting lineup. And Igor just kind of looked at me and chuckled. He said, it's a 48 minute game, man. Basically just saying that you can't put all your best players in one lineup because somebody has to play the other minutes and you need someone who can play actually playing those other minutes.
2: He basically told you the rest of these
0: guys suck, is what he yes, told you. Yes, exactly what he said. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> you know who, you know f- who Kelly Oubre's been playing with off the bench with the Suns down four players on Friday night? He's been playing with Quincy Acey, who is going to be let go after his 10-day is up because they signed another dude who is out of Division II, um, or they're intending to anyway as of Sunday. Uh, they, uh, Jamal Crawford. Who we all know has been up and down, mostly down. And oh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, and Troy Daniels. Those are the only guys left coming off the bench. And while people like the fact when they see Troy Daniels make long shots, um, he doesn't really bring anything else of competitive value to a team. If you're gonna surround him by players who can become competent, then Troy Daniels can look really good out there in limited minutes doing a limited role, but the Suns can't afford to have a limited role guy out there. And so he lo- he ends up looking bad. So that's who Kelly Oubre's been playing with. And if you put Kelly Oubre in the starting lineup, then you're having Josh Jackson potentially play with those guys, and that's even more of a disaster.
2: Wrap, wrap your mind around this. Both Troy Daniels and, uh, and Jamal Crawford are likely guys if you're selling – you're trading at this deadline too so how much worse could that second unit get
0: I don't think the Suns are going to get anything for Troy Daniels they might release him so uh, that's what is most likely going to happen is if Troy really wants to go to another team where his role is more defined and uh, it's okay to be a one one trick pony then they'll probably release him after the deadline because no one's going to give the Suns any assets for him
1: Also, money's got to match, and those guys don't make uh, very much money. So Kelly Oubre is actually fourth on the team as far as minutes per game. So uh, while he might not be starting, he's playing starter minutes. For, right. forgive my ignorance what is a a good VORP, like a a top flight player
2: what what kind of number are they like uh what's the range of that say a young range. Something.
0: they're they're in the i mean tim is probably looking it up but uh they're generally in the you know plus or minus three range okay so with a zero being completely replaceable right okay
2: so like a point nine isn't isn't atrocious no, it's about no, that it's scale okay. really good yeah. Okay, thank you for educating me on this thing you guys call analytics. <laughs> and on that note, I, play, I play dumb pretty well. I actually know a lot of this stuff, but you know, it, it's fun. Uh huh.
0: We're sponsored by Bright Side of the Sun, and by sponsor, they don't actually give us a penny. Go to brightsideofthesun.com dot com for all the latest solar panel episodes. All right, uh, for a special interview this week, we have Dwayne Rankin, who is the new beat reporter for the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, covering the Phoenix Suns. Hi, how you doing today, Dwayne?
3: I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. How you doing?
0: Excellent. Uh, yeah, we get to... You and I are at, well, you're at all the Suns games, road and away, and I'm at the home games, and so we've seen each other a lot this year. This is your first year on the beat. No so, deal. yeah, so let's uh, let's let's focus on a couple of, uh, actually, let's focus on a couple of games that the Suns have played recently to highlight um, how good things can get and how bad things can get. The Suns' best win of the season, arguably, was the win over Denver in Phoenix a couple weeks ago. They were doing it without Booker. And uh, they and I think it was uh, TJ as well. And they beat Denver easily. Denver came in, and they admitted after the game. We played uh, – Nikola Jokic said that he played against an 11-and-30-some team uh, and right. did not expect the Suns to uh, play that hard. And then on Friday night, this, uh, just this past week, <clears throat> on Friday night, the Suns played Denver again, this time in Denver. But, uh, and, but they did have Booker back. Uh, although they were out four other guys in, in the rotation. Right. Uh, but it didn't seem like the same game. It didn't seem like the Suns were trying as hard or played as hard after that first couple of quarters. All it took was a couple of bad turns and a couple of bad possessions, and suddenly the game was out of reach in, in a way that just seemed like, uh, well, you might as well just play out the string of this game. I mean, it was late second quarter. The Suns were tied. With Denver on Friday night in Denver, and then all of a sudden, bam, it was over. And it was a 15-point game at halftime, I believe, something like that. And then uh, very quickly, you detailed very well in an article yesterday on The Republic about how uh, the game basically turned um, out of reach from kind of out of reach to totally out of reach when Devin Booker started getting in his head on non-foul calls. Um, That was a really, really good sequence on um, uh, reporting on on your part I just read this morning, actually. And uh, I'd like to just – your takes on what helped them win over Denver and how that turned against them or they just didn't show it on Friday night against Denver.
3: Well, what you have – just looking at the game the home game uh against Denver um first thing is you know defensively they were they were all over the place uh in terms of aggressive like uh, getting hands on balls uh you know and they, and they played uh that aggressive style and they were establishing this sort of like defensive Mentality, okay. We're going to guard people. We're not going to just rely on. We're not going to rely on our offense. We're going to guard people. And and I think your point is well taken about Denver. You know, kind of looked at them and mm-hmm. we're like, okay, yeah, yeah. you know, that they because they. The irony of that is that they they're up 25 the previous game um, when they played. Yeah. Phoenix uh, got NBA. back in it and and you know, made it made it interesting at the end. And, uh, and then it was like, you know, I remember uh, Mike Malone went up to Igor and kind of like put his head on his chest like, like, whew, we, we could not have lost this game. <laughs> you know So so I thought after that, you know, that Denver would be more locked in. But maybe they were thinking, uh, you know, what well, when we were up 25 and we just sort of just, wow. you know, we, we coasted to get them back in. And, maybe and that's Phoenix out of didn't have Booker too. Yeah. Right, exactly, exactly. So they're looking at that and going, hey, you know, this should be a – not, not a, it's a bit easier game, and uh, and then Phoenix just was was dialed in defensively, and and I, I think Aiden was running the floor and, and making making Jokic uh, work uh, in that sense, and and so you, you you had a a game where they were so uh, defensive. I mean, if I if I'm recalling right, you know, it was like they scored like twenty six or thirty points off turnovers. I think it was thirty off of that. Yeah, off that first time, and a 26 yeah. off of the second time. So correct, you know, they they're, tur- they're turning, they're turning Denver over, and and then scoring off of that. So uh, that was that was the game in a nutshell. Uh, but then you know here, you know, this well, is- and it really helped
0: that didn't Denver didn't make their uh, jumpers. So right, right when the Suns were doing well in that uh, mid-December to early January run. Uh, they were getting, they were leading the league in deflections, uh, especially after adding Kelly Oubre to the rotation. Right. Uh, but still not profiling great defensively because uh, other teams were still making their open shots. So if the Suns didn't get a steal, the other team was getting an easy shot anyway. And what happened in that Denver win a couple weeks ago is Denver just didn't make their open shots or even slightly contested shots that night. So and then uh, couple that with. Phoenix's long arms and acted deflections and all that, and that's what made it a really good defensive game.
3: Right, and then also, you know, when you, when you are uh, engaged uh, defensively, uh, sometimes the open shot they may be open, but they, they may feel a little feel a little stressed because True. you're not you're not uh, you're not relaxed. Uh, and that was the one thing that uh, the point was made uh, about the, the the previous game they had played against Denver was that you know guys were comfortable. I mean, Craig's pulling up. Mm. uh, Beasley's pull. I mean, it was like, you know, like you know, first day in the first day in the gym. Uh, Whereas (laughs) that 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 next game, it it wasn't as uh, fluid, wasn't as smooth uh, in terms of running the offense, and and uh, so that that was obviously huge in that. But but again, the game in Denver, uh, and obviously, it was that point where it was it was. It was, it was it was a 12 point game and then it, it ballooned to 20 off of off of a stretch in which Booker started uh, you know having it taking issues with the refs uh, or non calls and, and things of that nature but um, but that was a game that was just so bizarre to me because you're sitting there and you're like okay Phoenix is making plays and all this, and like you say you look up like whoa like this is just yeah. gotten just completely out of hand. That like, last four know.
0: minutes of the second quarter was just what happened. Yeah, like what happened with this team?
3: And so, uh, you know, Igor talks about, you know, he mentioned fatigue a little bit, which is one, as you know, one of the things that he'll go to uh, when it comes to certain games. Like, okay, you know, we didn't have it. It was, you know, it was a back-to-back and, and, and things of that nature. So, uh, but at the same time, it just, it just felt like, uh, once it got a little bit out of hand that, that that they just sort of went well yeah you know we don't have it tonight we're down four guys okay you know we're we you know it's like we we we're not going to get beat up too much about it but then once it ballooned into the 30s then you start looking bad cuz then right. you know guys are just you know nuggets you know guys are eight guys in double figures and you and they didn't have their best player and you're sitting there watching it and then uh, when it started getting to that 30 point area then that's when the point of this is embarrassing even all the circumstances involved and and that's what ultimately led to uh, the long showers after the game
0: (laughs) so let's talk about that that was a perfect segue Dwayne uh, so you were there, you guys were um, let into the locker room for uh, uh, a little bit, then all of a sudden you were asked to leave. Uh, right. Did you see something, like, I didn't see either you or Gina talk about it much, but did you know that you were going to be ushered back out after being let in? Like, what, what precipitated
1: that?
3: Well, we were, when we walked in, we um, were just sitting, we we're, were standing there as usual, kind of waiting for people to... You know Come out either get out yeah. the shower or, you know, get dressed or whatever. And and then um I can remember uh I think it was Aiden. Um, you know, it was like something to the effect of, hey, you know, you know, that you know, they gotta leave. And so uh so I'm going I'm looking around like okay, He's in okay, his street they, clothes. This is Aiden. Yeah, he's in his street team. clothes. He's like, Well they gotta leave and I'm going What's going on? And so then next thing, you know, couple you know, minute kinda of half a minute kinda of passes and we're still standing there and they were like, Hey y'all, y'all, you know, uh they let y'all in. And they were framing it as let us in too early. You know, you let us <laughs> in too early, y'all you know, y'all gotta go. So we're like Okay. But,
1: but was it so, too
3: early? No. No, not in my opinion. Once the coach once the coach comes out and talks Yeah.
0: And, and then usually, you go straight you know, to the locker room at that point.
3: Right, you go straight to the locker room. So that's what happened. The coach, coach had already he'd already talked. So, you know, now were we with him for like 10 minutes. No, it might have been five, six minutes, if I'm not mistaken. But once that happened, and you know, and they, they're not letting you in until the time is ready to
0: right. let you in. <laughs> and I mean, they they just, know their job. They
3: just, right, right, right. They, the security knows what's going on. You know, they're not. They're, they're not. Matter of fact, they're, they're more likely to hold you out um, Too long, longer right? And then yeah. just open the door and just let you in. So someone gave them the green light to open the door, but obviously there were some things that. And then you could sort of see um, Jamal, which I, I believe Jamal was probably one of the leaders in the conversation. You could see him kind of like a, a huddle type deal, like waving people, uh, because I believe Warren had already left because um, he usually leaves fairly early. I think he had already left. And then he came back in. And so then I'm like, okay, well, usually, you know, so that was kind of an alert of, okay, well, maybe they need to have this conversation or they get ready to talk or whatever. But did, did, did we think we were going to be out there 40 minutes? 40-some-odd right. 40, 40, 40 <laughs> minutes? No. No, we, we, you know, it was like, you know, you're sitting there. You just let a couple guys come out there.
0: without a towel and like, get, get dressed and then let you back in or something like that, right? You were thinking, right, right, right. this it is was, a quickie. It
3: most, yeah, it was like I'm thinking, all right, well, they just need to, you know. But, but when Warren came back in, I, I, that, that that gave me the, the light of, Something's okay, happened. they're getting ready to have a conversation. But I didn't know, like I said, it was going to last. I mean, Gina and I and, and, and you know, they had, a, uh, I think, an AP person getting quotes uh for Denver for AP. And there was and a so blogger there well, too. He's the
0: one who posted yeah, yeah. that.
3: Yeah. 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 So it's like people are talking and all kind of store, you know, we're reminiscing about stuff and it's like and you start looking at the clock, you're like, wait a minute, this is we're talking now it's 20, been 20 minutes, you know, and then you people still talking about other stuff. And then you look up again. Okay, it's been 30. And you're like all right, what's going on? So, now
0: you didn't hear any yelling,
3: right? No, no, I didn't hear any yelling.
0: Like yeah, there was, was a like, month or two ago, right? Wasn't it Ayton you guys walked in on Aiden and Booker jawing at each other?
3: Yeah, that was that was after uh that was, that was after that was after uh the Portland game. Um when they uh they had nine points in the quarter. I think yeah. that was after that game. And uh, after the first quarter. And so yeah that was that was because Aiden no because Booker didn't play he was still out with the uh, uh, hamst-
0: hamstring right
3: he was still out with the hamstring so Booker didn't play so yeah that's when we uh, uh, walked in on that um, um, but but it, it it didn't have that kind of feel um, in the locker room and we walked in it wasn't like it was a, a tense uh, feeling. Uh, But then, you know, like I said, you know, you, you, you waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and, and then finally, you know, they, they open the door and you're like, okay. So then you're seeing certain guys, you know, talking to each other and then you see other guys, uh, you know, that were, you know, dressed and ready to go. And, and, uh, and so I think, you know, uh, we'll, 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 we'll we'll, (laughs) see. How, how, how they come out to today?
0: But, but the way uh, you saw it was like it was measured, like it was a everybody wasn't all tense and emotional and stuff like that. It was just people were, were pretty much quiet after a after a conversation. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty, you know, it was pretty quiet. But it wasn't like it was, um, you know, like you know, you're seeing Melton, and you, know, you look at the rookies. You know, it's like you know, Melton is just kind of you know he. he, he he was normally how he is. You know, he's smiling, you know. Smiling, just him. hanging
0: out. Yeah, right.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's just hanging. You know, he's like, well, you know, I got this boot. I can't really go nowhere, so I'm good. And, uh, <laughs> you know, whereas, you know, Ubre, you know, he was, Ubre was dressed and out. You know, he, he was, he was dressed and out. You know, he was, you know, he, and then mm. AC was another one that just, you know, he was dressed and, and was ready to go. And then, you know, so you're looking to see who to talk to. And, of course, you know, you talk to Booker and, that was the beginning of the of the of the shower uh the shower narrative
0: yeah <laughs> um so did you guys get Jamal late or early in that like was uh, Booker we, first we,
3: well we got Devin first Devin first okay and then, and then um and then Josh uh second uh and then Jamal uh third um okay and, uh, So So, so it was kind of like a circular deal. uh, Yeah,
0: but I thought that was interesting because the Jamal part was, he was totally all just, we're good, we had a good conversation. After the other guys had already done the long shower narrative, so Jamal didn't jump on the long shower part, right? No, he
3: did. He did at the end. Did he? Okay, okay. Because he said, because he said, because he said. Oh, it's um, wet.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm used to the wet. (laughs) He
3: said, I got out, you know, I (laughs) I just got out the shower. That's, something yeah, like that. That's true. But yeah, he, every every they were sticking. At least those three were sticking to the shower line. Now uh, usually,
0: again, usually, you can get some more candid comments from Josh than the other guys. And it kind of felt like the, his were the most candid of all of them uh, in in the quotes that were shared.
3: Yeah, he. he you know, he's 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 a little more. Uh, uh, Canada is probably the right word. He's 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 definitely more more uh, more willing to 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 say to say some stuff and 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 uh, but I think that you know uh, the the thing about that is because because the time of the of the of this meeting or this talk or whatever now you got to get in a rush to get to the play, you right. know because now you got to fly out. And they and they were saying you know they got certain blocks of time that you have to leave and then they're de-icing the plane and and they're doing all this stuff so you're on a timing type deal and so uh, you know so then that that probably led to certain guys okay well let me get on the plane and and then uh, you know but by the time we got back in there everybody was pretty much was pretty much dressed
0: ready yeah, to
3: get right. you know, ready ready to get out of there. Jamal was probably the one of the last ones that wasn't dressed which. Leads you to saying, okay, he he may have been doing a bit of the talking uh-huh. because you know he might have got in the shower later than
0: than the rest
3: than than others, and I and I, I I would dare to say that uh, that that entire 50, 40, 50 minutes wasn't just talking. I mean I I I don't, I don't know if they, I don't I something tells me that couldn't have been that long of a conversation.
0: Because you think they that it's needed was, time to decompress before? Right, right. I, I, I think talk.
3: there was people that probably said some that needed to say was they needed to say some things, and they're saying you know that they've been saying this whole thing about we were good with each other. We're, we're we we should be able to uh, be critical of, of each other, and that's been a, a narrative uh, that's gone on um, for most of the season. So uh,
0: yeah, let me ask you about that, Josh quote cuz i only saw the quote i didn't see how he said it or anything like that was he saying that he can't believe it took this long or was he just saying look it's fine we just talk like
3: no it it was more of like you know um you know it, it, it like the results or if, if if we need an opportunity if, if we want to say something to each other if we want to have one of these talks it shouldn't it shouldn't matter what how the, what game it, we had, had a result of a game Like if there's something that we feel like we need to get off our chest As a team Then we ought to be able to do this whenever
0: Was he saying that yeah. as like a negative To the timing of this talk Or was he just saying At
3: no, least no, I, I, I didn't take it that way I took it as that he was just saying that it shouldn't take You know us losing Or it shouldn't take a certain thing for us We should be able to do this no matter what yeah, Like okay. whenever, whenever, whenever Whenever we're feeling as if we need to say something to each other we ought to be able to do that because we should be comfortable, we're comfortable enough with each other. We get along. We ought to be able to, to have that kind of conversation, um, you know, regardless yeah. of, of, whether it's after <laughs> this type of game or after, uh, uh, you know, a close loss or whatever, whenever we feel a need to address each other, we ought to do that. Hey, and, me... Aiden, and Aiden has talked about that quite a bit about how, you know, that, that, you know, that is, that he's okay with, you know, being told what what he didn't do, right, or what he should do—that's um, one of the things I know, like
0: about him—is that he is at least open to the feedback. Right. Whether he can right. actually, right. like, whether he's mature enough yet to process it and and grow from it immediately versus over time is, you know, that's just a product of age. He's only twenty years old, but at least he's willing to hear it and and remember it and take it as a as a need to improve, as opposed to. Um, uh, you know something that he didn't appreciate. You know what I mean. So he he does like right. hearing that stuff,
3: right? right. And he, 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 you know he he needs that. You know, he, he, <clears> he, and he, he he's and one he knows of those he that needs somebody. Like he even said, Coach. He even talked about Coach Igor. He said, you know, he'll he'll get on him because he's acting like a teenager. You know, at times. Right. And so it's like you know to kind of remind him, hey, you're 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 a professional.
0: You're a grown up. You yeah.
3: Know, you're you're a grown up. You know, and but this is the same guy that you know plays uh, NBA 2K, right? Which again, at age twenty, that's uh, what they I do. Like a lot of, that's what they do. I mean, when I was twenty, that's what I did. I well, played video gee,
0: games. People even my age are playing 2K these days. So, yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. But and uh, he's got to he's got to professionally grow up before he emotionally and personally grows up, and that's tough for a guy at that age. It's tough for a lot of those guys. <clears throat> and the Suns just have to ha- happen to have a larger concentration of those kind of guys than most teams.
3: Right. And that they're and that they're relying on. The
0: that's play. the yeah, and that's the thing is other teams like uh I was, talk, I was looking at Denver's roster. Denver has the second youngest roster in the league. Um and the Suns are actually collectively a little bit older than Denver, probably because of Jamal. Um but basically Denver's guys are a little bit more NBA mature. They've been around longer. They're not relying on four rookies in their rotation, you know, like the Suns are. And they're not relying on their two best players being 20 and 22 years old. I mean, Jokic is 23 and Jamal Murray is 21. But really, they're, they've are they got Gary Harris there to, to really support them. And they've got some, of the, some other older players.
3: Will
0: Barton. Um, yeah. Will Barton, right, exactly, playing big roles, not... The Jamal Crawford role that's uh, bigger than it should be, but Will Barton's playing a smaller than he should be role, you know, and and uh, and Gary Harris is playing a smaller than he should be role because the just it just so happens that Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are that much more talented, but the team isn't relying on those guys for their emotional leadership on a nightly basis, uh, uh, whereas the Suns are. And that's where Devin Booker is having a really hard time this year. You didn't get to watch Booker close up last year, Dwayne, but he was better last year because he had a clearer mind. He actually played harder through all game instead of uh, letting it turn on a dime on a bad call like he's doing this year. Uh, He was making more of his shots because his mind was clearer. I think the only reason he's shooting 32% this year is because he's putting so much pressure on every shot he's taking right now that like you said when people are stressed out an open shot isn't as open as it is when you're not stressed and uh that's that's booker every shot is a is is a release of, is you is built on stress right now and that's why he's making so many fewer shots but yeah he was better last year than he is this year and yet the suns are relying on him more and he's relying on himself more this year than he ever has, and and so that's a tough transition for him. We'll see how that goes. Hey, I have a question for you. How's T.J. Warren getting around on that ankle that's so bad he's been shut down for two weeks?
3: It's interesting because, um, you know he, you know, you rarely you rarely see him. Now because of the injury, um, and I don't mean like rarely like he like vanished, but I just mean that you know, you don't Yeah, you low
0: know, profile for guys like, who are right, injured.
3: Right, 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 right. But you know, when I've seen him walk around, I mean he seems to be walking around um it's not like it's with a, uh a a major limp or anything. Like like yeah. he's not, like he don't have no boot on like Melton. Melton Melton well, no walking around with that's a major what, boot on.
0: That's what hit it uh, for me is I saw him on the last home game. I guess that was Thursday, and he was walking out with no wrap on his ankle, no nothing. The right ankle right. looked the same as the left. Uh, he's in his regular clothes, and, and uh, right. I didn't see him walk much because I don't stare at guys walking down the hall, but um, he didn't appear to have any need any kind of assistance or have any kind of right. special limp. He might. I mean, those deep uh, high ankle sprains, uh, you don't limp but you feel like lots of pain and you have no spring in your step. I had a high ankle sprain all summer um, and uh, it's not fun, right? But you're not limping all the time. So I'm not not saying he's not injured. But when you see DeAnthony Melton in a boot and using a cane after an ankle sprain and and then uh, TJ Warren has been shut down for longer and he has no outward signs of it, just makes you wonder <laughs> what else well, no, he, might be but, he going
3: was, on. But, he, but, but I will say this. He was, the um, other night, he was in there and they were working on the ankle. And um, they, he was on the machine and they were working on the ankle. Okay. okay. And so, so it was like, so it's clear that, that that something is wrong. Yeah. Um, I should just go back they, to what right, I
0: already they, expected.
3: Right. They they were definitely working on his ankle. It um, was on, like I said, he was on some uh, machine to try to, you know, balance and, and and things of that nature. The whole idea of coach saying it's chronic is is is, is to me as that's that that's just not a you don't like to hear that word uh, when it comes to a player. Yeah. Um, that relies on um, not just you know just it's just regular movements of just basketball. Period. But you know, as a guy that 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 has the ability to get to the rim and and, and already. Plants and takes awkward-looking shots and falls awkward.
0: To find that space, right? He's always on the ground. Yeah,
3: right. So it's like you know that that. Then you add that. It it just doesn't add up well. But um, but you know um, you know we got another what week and a half of that. So so a lot can happen in, in in two weeks. So we'll,
0: sure. see, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. I'll go back to my original uh, assumption, which is that <laughs> it's one of those uh, non-swelling high ankle sprains that's just deep in there, and it saps your your spring and all that, and they just have to get them over it. So. But we'll right, they're go. calling
3: it they're calling it a bone bruise, and and so you you, you you're wondering, um, you know, is it a matter of okay when I'm when I'm just walking around it's no problem but once i try to to play yeah and and, and cut and move and that's when it you know it, it flares up Whereas it hurts yeah uh yeah it really hurts so uh, you know and 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 you know, whereas a sprain um you know you can and, and maybe you know Melton is just that that was weird though seeing him with the boot i, yeah. I got like when I, I looked i said oh wow he's got a boot on
0: that's more and than he had,
3: yeah, and he it, 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 it had electrolysis on it. It was like you could see the little wires coming out the out of, out of the top of
0: it. Yeah, so the, the stem. Was, yeah,
3: the stem. Right, the stem on it. So, so yeah, it's uh, very odd.
0: Yeah. Very odd. Well, shoot, man, the Suns look like uh, they're just the walking wounded right now. So we'll see how that Laker game goes on Sunday night. Um, folks listening to this might be hearing this on on Monday or Tuesday. Of this week, but uh, um, good luck at the uh, watching that Laker game, and hopefully that'll that'll be good for the Suns.
3: I don't need the luck. <laughs>
0: they do. <laughs> well, you need the luck the on, might, on
3: the team. Might, but but, uh, but no, no, no. I'll be there. I'll be there regardless. I just need the Uber driver to to uh, you know. I've had a couple interesting the uh, recent moments. I with Uber, so uh, oh, yeah. just hoping that he gets me staples.
0: <laughs> well, we'll have you on again, and you can tell us some Uber stories. <laughs> All right, you have a good day, Dwayne, and and uh, thank you very much for coming on the Solar Panel Podcast with me, and and uh, we'll get you
1: on again. You just got done listening to the Solar Panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline Podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancakes. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Akeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career, and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.